This is part B of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I know. Well, some people have a real knack of being able to share their faith with just about anyone. Um, you've probably met somebody who, you know, you've seen them at work. You know, within a few minutes of striking up a conversation with someone, they're, they're telling them all about Jesus and they manage to, to be able to share the whole gospel with them. And, they, you know, they might start off with how God created the world or they might start off with the love of God. But then they'll talk about our rejection of God and they'll talk about the coming judgment. But I'll talk about also how God mounted a rescue mission through the cross and how Jesus died for our sins on the cross, but that he's not dead. He's been raised from the dead. And they might talk about the, the pen, his pending return. And I did use the word knack there, but it's not really a knack at all. Um, and it's not actually practice that enables you to engage with somebody um, in, in the first place. And it's not being well-trained that enables you to do it. And it's not because you have extra special knowledge, because you know what you believe, don't you? You know the gospel, that's what you believe, and that's all you need to know. And that's all we need to share with people. And it's not that some people are naturally good at it. I reckon 90% of them being able to engage with another person to tell them the gospel is simply that they're not afraid to offend. Now, I don't have any statistics or any scientific analysis to base that on. Um, that's just my perception. It comes more from a self-reflection when I ask myself, what's the reason that I don't do what they do? And I have no doubt that at least 90% of the cases where all it would take would be for me to open my mouth and, and, and share the gospel with them, but I choose not to, I reckon about 90% of the cases it's because I don't want to offend them. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm very happy for them to be offended. I, I know it's far better for them to be offended and to hear the gospel. I just don't want to be the one that does it. I'm very happy for you to offend them and share the gospel with them. Um, I just don't want to be the one that they see as being offensive. Now, am I crazy or, or, or does anybody else feel like this? Come on, be honest. Does anybody else feel like that or am I on my own? Okay, 
So I'm a few, seeing a few sheepish nods of heads. Okay, so what's going on? I mean, the gospel is the best news ever. Last week, we, we were talking about how disciples of Jesus are being built into a spiritual house and how even though the world will, will shame us, we are honoured before God. And we just read there before again, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. How good's that? That's amazing. We've been called out of darkness and into the light. Woohoo! Can I hear a woohoo? Oh, woohoo! Yeah, we can do a woohoo. Good. Wow. And we've received mercy. The gospel is the best news ever. Why would we ever get it into our heads that we might offend somebody if we tell them the gospel? You know how it got in our heads? Experience. Past experience. The risk of offending somebody by telling them the pure, go telling them the pure gospel is more of a likelihood than what it is a remote possibility. So you know what I mean by that? It means that if we share the gospel with a bunch of people, some people will receive the gospel with great joy. Some people will hear and listen and might even be polite as they listen, but they'll still say no to Jesus. And others will be really offended. You see, this is not at all an unfounded fear that we have that we might offend someone. It happens. It's more of a probability. It is it's more than a probability, it's a likelihood that if we share the gospel with a bunch of people, some people are going to be really offended. And that's what Peter's saying here. He says, so that the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. That means that, okay, that when Jesus came, he was rejected by the religious establishment virtually, but he became the cornerstone. He became the new thing, that the new beginnings of this new thing that God was going to build. So he's become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. You see, no one can ignore Jesus. He's right there. He's in your path. Jesus is the stone, Jesus is the rock, and he's either going to be the rock that we build our lives upon. I was, I was just, Ellen, when you did that kid story, I was just waiting for you to sit on that rock and go, ah, oh, oh, I love being in this rock. I just, I was waiting for that. It, oh, maybe next time. Great, great kid story, though. So he's the rock on which we build our lives, or he's the rock on whom we stumble and the rock of offence. Now, throughout our lives, there's lots of options. There's lots of things that we can look at and, and take up various options. You know, some things, oh, yes, I think that'll be interesting for me. I'll, I'll add that to my life. Oh, no, that's not so important. Right, there's lots of things we can either take up or we can reject, but Jesus is not one of them. The Lord Jesus Christ is the rock in our path. You cannot skirt around Jesus. We either build on him or we trip over him. And every time a person hears the gospel being preached, their heart 
is either getting a little bit harder or it's getting a little bit softer. But their heart can't remain the same. Now, Peter uses the phrase here, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. Now, most commentaries say, that, oh, that's just two ways of saying the same thing. I'm not sure. Maybe, or maybe it's, maybe it's more than that. But he goes on to say why they stumble. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. Now, the Greek word for disobey here isn't just about disbelieving, right? So some people, when they read that, they go, oh, they disobey the word. That means they just didn't believe. Now, it's more than that. It actually describes the fallen human condition. To disobey the word means that not only do we not believe, yes, it also includes that, but it also means that we're living lives of disobedience in rebellion against God. And there we have it. The simple, blunt description of all who reject Jesus is they are rebellious against God. And there's the offence right there. You see, most of us, we, we like to think that we're our own masters. We like to think that we're responsible for our own destiny. destiny. We, we like to think that we're not answerable to anyone. But the simple truth of the matter is we are answerable to people in all manner of life, but ultimately every single one of us are answerable to God. And some people might grow up in Christian families and, and get to the stage of where they're, okay, I'm going to make my own decision of who I'm going to follow and whatnot. I, I'm not answerable to anybody. Guess what? You are answerable to God. But we like to go more about our own way of, we choose our own way. Um, there's that song, I did it my way. I think it was Frank Sinatra who made it, made it famous. Isn't it funny? All the older people are nodding their heads. <laughs> okay, so um, for, for the younger folk, Frank Sinatra is a singer that people even older than me listen to. How's that? <laughs> okay. Um, now, that song, I don't know if you've actually really read the words to that song, but my goodness, that for me was the perfect example of it spells out the life philosophy of many people who would stumble over Jesus. And it spells out their rebellion against God. They are so filled with pride, so filled with self-sufficiency. I did it my way and self-determination becomes their king. It's strange that in, even in our society, in so many spheres, we sort of think that self-determination is, is a human right. We have to have self-determination in this group, and this group has to have self-determination. Let me read the words of this song. And now the end is near. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, and now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. Right, so somebody reaching the end of their life and they're looking back at, at the way they've been. My friends, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway, but more, much more than this, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few. But then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. 
and saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway. But more, much more than this, I did it my way. Yes, there were times, I'm sure you knew, when I bit off more than I could chew. But through it all, when there was doubt, I ate it up and I spit it out. I faced it all and I stood tall and I did it my way. I've loved, laughed and cried. I've had my fill, my share of losing. And now, as tears subside, I find it all so amusing to think I did all that. And may I say, may I say, not in a shy way, oh, no, no, not me. I did it my way. And then in the final verse, it builds up into a great crescendo. For what is a man and what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. To say all the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows, but I did it my way. Ugh, yuck. As a Christian, I look at those words and I go, yuck. The, you know what I see there? I see the rebellious pride of man. And yet, isn't that something which is so admired by people in our society, this spirit of self-determination, it actually gets viewed as some kind of virtue. And when this sort of rebellious pride encounters the rock of Jesus Christ, there has to be either a miraculous repentance and rebirth or an enormous collision of wills. Something, an enormous collision of angst and offence. Now, this is something that every one of us comes up against. Jesus is the rock in our path. And, and it's interesting here, Peter doesn't overlook it. He says that they were destined to disobey. I was talking earlier this week uh, with someone who was telling me that about how when he used to share his faith with people, he used to he used to worry when they didn't when they didn't respond, right? So he'd share his faith, he'd share the gospel, and then they go, yeah, okay, and just like water off a duck's back, not at all interest. And then he'd beat himself up. What did I do wrong? You know, he sort of felt, you know, I, I obviously didn't do it properly. I need to learn how to do this better. I need to, uh, if only I'd said this, if only I'd said that, then they would have believed. But, but more recently, he's realised that, no, that's not the case at all. His job is not to be ashamed of Jesus and to share his faith. And that's where his job ends. And if Jesus gets rejected, that's not his fault. It's, it's the work of God in the other person's life. And it's the other person who is ultimately responsible as to whether Jesus is going to be the rock that they trip over or whether Jesus is going to be the rock on whom they build their lives. Now, as Christians, in hindsight, and some of you have probably gone on alone for a fair while before you became a Christian, and in hindsight, you can go, oh, if only I'd, I'd stopped tripping over Jesus and made him the centre of my life sooner. And you know what? There's your message there. 
you can share that with others who you know aren't walking with Jesus. How you used to stumble over him, but not anymore. And so God told us a long time in advance that many would reject him. And so Jesus is the cornerstone and many will become disciples of Jesus and build their lives on that cornerstone. But God has already told us that many people will stumble. Many people will be offended. So don't be surprised when people reject Jesus. And don't put it off. You see, we keep on sharing the gospel because although there are many who, who are destined to disobey the word, what a wonderful gift of God it is for those who don't and who hear the word of Jesus and embrace Jesus and make him the centre of their lives. Isn't God wonderful? Is anybody here happy that God's called them out of darkness and into his marvellous light? Anybody happy about that? We can have another woohoo. Woohoo! Yeah, very good. And you know what? He's still calling many out of the darkness today. I just, I just love the way the Apostle Peter keeps touching on things that Jesus said. Um, what, a, what a privilege it must have been for Peter to be able to walk with Jesus for those years and, and to hear Jesus' teaching firsthand. And that's what I'm noticing in this letter. He keeps on bringing things in which, which are touching on what Jesus said. Um, John 3.16. Who knows John 3.16? It's probably the best-known verse in the whole Bible. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Righto. Does anyone know who Jesus said that to? Who was Jesus talking to when he said that? Anyone? No. John was there. But who was he talking to? Nicodemus. Right? Who knows Nicodemus? He was that Pharisee who came to Jesus in the dead of night, probably scared that, that um, others were going to see him turn up there. And Jesus explained to him, you've got to be born again. He said, what? What? Not sure I want to go there. How can I come out of my mum again? Right? We know that conversation. This is all part of that same conversation. And it doesn't stop at John 3.16 either. It goes on... Um, and I'm going to read now verses 17 to 21. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see how Peter's sort of touched on something when he starts talking about light and darkness and how some people don't want to come into the light. Who's had a few mice in their house lately? Anyone? 
it, so it's not just us, right? Okay, um, for those listening to the recordings, and George has been, we're, we're currently in a little bit of a mouse plague. Not a, not a really bad one. Um, I've been in some really, really bad ones at times, not here, but at Dolby. Um, but if you've ever been in the midst of a mouse plague, um, you'll be very aware that mice don't like to be caught in the light, right? So you, can, you might hear them gnawing away. I've been laying in bed and heard a mouse gnawing out in the kitchen. I can see Margaret shaking her head. She hates this. <laughs> and I've heard a mouse gnawing away in the kitchen. Or, or there's been times where I've come into shed, come into the shed, and they're gnawing away at something, and you flick on a light, and what do they do? They just straight away scurry away into the darkness, don't they? Run away and hide. The rebellious are just like that. The rebellious like to live in the darkness. By the way, are you starting to see a little bit about why the gospel is offensive? Right? I've just called them the rebellious. So if anyone here happens to be a non-Christian, if there's anyone listening to this, either here today or somebody listening to the recording, you don't have to be a genius in comprehension to work out that the preachers just called you rebellious. And I have to do that because that's what the Scripture says here is that, that we're rebellious or we're disobedient. That's what the Scriptures say. And the rebellious like to live in the darkness. Everybody has a choice of coming into the light and living in the light of Christ. But they don't want to. They enjoy the darkness. Why do they enjoy the darkness? Well, I'm going to get even more offensive. It's because the light exposes their evil deeds. You see, if I were an unrepentant, sinful human being, um, as somebody who rejects God, if I compare myself to the rest of fallen humanity, well, in my eyes, I'm just not too bad. In fact, when I compare myself to other people, there's people who are worse than me. Okay, there's a few people who are worse than me. All right, Hitler's worse than me. All right, you know how it works. Like people, they sort of always want to compare themselves to somebody who's worse and go, well, I'm not so bad, really. Because look at them, they're much worse than me. But when the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ shines his light upon me, he exposes me for who I am and reality kicks in. You see, God's standard isn't anyone who's better than Hitler will be saved. God's standard isn't anyone who's better than that person who's murdered and killed and raped. Anybody who's better than them is going to be saved. That's not, that's not God's standard. What's God's standard? Jesus Christ. And so when we actually see what true righteousness really looks like, all of a sudden we realise that our way of life is evil. We, we usually only reserve that word evil for the, the most horrible, vile things, don't we? But unless we actually realise that, hey, without God, I'm evil, and the things that I've done are evil, then we're never going to understand why we need to be saved. Because that's when we compare ourselves in, in the light of Jesus Christ, that's when our perversion and evil and rebellion is seen for what it is. 
And so in our life's journey, when we encounter the rock of Jesus Christ, we actually have a choice that we need to make. We either quickly scurry away, oh, I've heard that message and that just makes me feel bad. And I really enjoy those things that I do. So, and that, I know that's not compatible with, compatible with Christianity. I want to keep doing that. So we scurry away into evil, into the darkness, and yep, we keep living our lives of evil because nobody's going to judge me there. Or we come to the light. Now, I urge you, if you are currently living in darkness, don't embrace the darkness. Run to the light. Run to the light. And know Jesus. None of us, none of us start out perfect. Right? As the people of God, we don't start out perfect. It wasn't because of our immense righteousness that God chose us. Where did God find us? He found us in the darkness. Let's never forget that I was rebellious against God. You were rebellious against God. And we were disobedient. But he called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so in verse 10 he says, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Isn't God wonderful? Once we had not received mercy, but now we have. And now, as a people of God, remember last week we talked about how we are now God's royal priesthood, the priesthood of God. We are the ones who proclaim the excellencies of God. Who's going to tell this, this broken and fallen world of the excellencies of God? Who's going to tell them if we don't? Who's going to offer the mercy and grace of God to a people who up until now they've been living in darkness because they don't want the rebellion against God to come to the light. Who's going to tell them this? Who's going to actually shine the light of Christ? See, this is us together, the priesthood of God. Let's not be ashamed of Jesus. Now, if we're the, the priesthood of God, fancy there being a bunch of priests who were ashamed of Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's just craziness, isn't it? How could we be ashamed of Jesus? Let's risk offending people by giving them the chance to have life. Let's proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. No, not everyone's going to appreciate it. Some people will be deeply offended. But for the sake of those who will respond to the gospel, let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. See, some people view Christianity 
as being just a list of rules, just live by these rules and that's it. That's not it at all. That's sort of like Old Testament thought. Um, but even that was not how that was supposed to be either. It's a matter of living in the light. It's a matter of living with Jesus Christ in our hearts and shining the light out into the world. Um, and we're going to be talking more about that next week, about how as we live with Christ in our hearts, we'll be shining the light out and the world will see our good deeds. Um, we're going to pray shortly. And, and I just want to say to people here and maybe people who are listening online that if up until now Jesus has been that rock that you stumble upon and you've wondered why other people get, why does it other people love Jesus so much when I just find it it just keeps me away from from what I really want to do if that's you I'd ask that you really consider what part does Jesus going to be in my life from now on. I don't want Jesus to be that rock that I stumble over anymore. I don't want to live in the darkness. I want to have, I want to have the righteousness of Jesus in my life. I want to be that person that God sent his son to redeem. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that somebody did this for us. That they took the risk of offending us for the chance that we might respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvellous light. And Lord, please give us hearts to love like you love that we would love those who hide in the darkness, and that we would take your word into the darkness and that they would have the chance to experience the grace and the mercy of God like we've had that chance. Lord, we ask that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, make us into that royal priesthood described here in your word, that we would proclaim the excellencies of God and the marvellous things that you've done for us. Give us a holy boldness, Lord. Lord, help us to accept that some people will, will be offended. They'll, they'll either be offended by us or they'll be offended by somebody else, but they will be offended because the offence comes from Jesus Christ and not us. And so, Lord, if it be so, let us be so unashamed of you that we're willing to be seen as the offensive ones, if that's what it means to honour you. And if you're someone who's been tripping over Jesus and, it's, and you feel that God, it's time for you to no longer see Jesus as the rock of stumbling and offence, then pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I've been trying to get around you. I've been stumbling over you for so long. I confess that I've, I've loved living in the darkness. 
But Lord, I don't want that anymore. I can see that, Lord Jesus, you are so much better. And living in the light is the way of freedom and joy and life. So, Lord, I don't want to stumble over you anymore. Lord, I want to make you the rock on whom I build my life. I give my heart to you, Jesus. I give you all my sin and I ask that you would take that away and make me pure and holy. And Lord, give me a heart that delights to live in the light and give me the words to, to proclaim the excellencies of God that others would hear the good news of Jesus out of my mouth. In Jesus' name, amen.